Would you like to be part of the next generation of mindfulness meditation instructors? We invite you to take a unique opportunity to earn your teacher certification with Jack Cornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors. To get the training you need to guide others in their journey, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash get certified. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. We're all in process, you know. Let's face it, we're all. We're all very much in process, and we have a lot of unfinished business. A hope based on delusion is useless, but hope based on reality is called faith. You know, you understand that there is a path, you're on it, you're doing the best you can to overcome your limitations, and there's no reason to feel uh, hopeless about the future, because you're doing the best you can for yourself and others. And so uh, that's a good thing. That that's, brings a confidence inside. And that confidence brings you a kind of strength and, and a faith, that, or, but a living faith that, that this is real and this works and I'm doing it. And, you know, this is good. Nothing wrong with that. But hope based on delusion, like trying to get water by squeezing a rock, all you're going to get is broken hands. That's, that, that, that needs to be released and let go of. And you have to see the rock as a rock, and the water is not going to come from it, no matter how much you hope it's going to. So then you have to let go of that kind of hope. But it... It comes, you know, one has to learn to be honest with oneself to the, the most we can. Uh, it's not easy because we're so crazy, you know. You know? We, we, we just jumped out of a plane and we think we're floating. Yeah. Until we hit the ground. So it's good to be able to see things clearly and that's hard to do because we're so invested in, in trying to manipulate the world to please us all the time and give us what we want. As soon as we stop, start doing that a little less, things loosen up. And we can see people for who they are and for who they're not, and hopefully see ourselves the same way. No? Yes? Okay? I hope so. Um, so you, you talk about that you were doing a lot of drugs, that it was going to kill you. When did you stop doing the drugs? <laughs> what time <Never>. is it? <laughs> <clears throat> um, I haven't done any drugs for so long, it's hard to remember. Uh, Maharaji once looked at me and said, stop smoking hash. And I said, okay. And then I said, but wait a minute, what if I go back to America and like I'm at a party or something and somebody gives me some hash, what if I smoke it, is that bad? And he looked at me like, he's, ah, you can't even do that, you'll never find God, and he slammed the door right in my face. <laughs> he was so kind. <laughs> so every time I smoked hash after that, all I did was think about him. And I thought that was a good making progress. Uh, it's been so long. The last time I did any drugs was sometime in the 80s, I think. Probably.
when were the 80s? Before the 90s, right? That was already thousands of years ago, right? No, there were two, two different types of drugs that I did. Early on, I did a lot of psychedelics. But later on, when I was uh, encouraging the dark side, I was into cocaine and stuff like that, which was definitely uh, like playing in traffic. You know, it wasn't fun, although I thought it was fun at the time. But um, yeah, so I was strung out on that for a while. But that that ended in probably '84, thirty years ago. Maybe it'd be better now, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But psychedelics, I, I don't consider them like, like drugs like that. I mean, although some people do. If it wasn't for peyote, I don't know, I might, I doubt it, but I might be a librarian somewhere on Long Island. When I took peyote for the first time, and somebody brought some cactuses from the southwest, and uh, I ate that, and I went, oh, this is how it is. I had no doubt that what I was experiencing was more real than life on Long Island. <laughs> and it just changed everything completely. So... But I was already, even before that, I was reading books on Buddhism and all kinds of stuff before. So I was ready to let go of that and you know, accept that as more real. So there's a difference, as far as I'm concerned, between those kind of chemicals and what, you know, the, the other stuff. But ultimately, you know, Maharaji called LSD the yogi medicine. And uh, he said, the yogi medicine is good for beginners. But he said, we it used to grow up in the Himalayas, but nobody understands that anymore. And um, because it, the prison of our thoughts is, is so, so deep and, and, uh, what's the word, dense, that to be released from that for a minute is, is, is very difficult, very difficult. And LSD and peyote, mescaline, they can actually do that if you have those karmas. Every once in a while, I think, on one of those bad days, I think, maybe I should take some acid. And then I think, no, my arms will probably fall off. <laughs> uh, you know. So I say, okay, later. <laughs> Last time I took LSD was in India. Somebody had given me, Ramdas had given me a hit, and I was carrying it around, and I said to Maharaji, I have one, one dose of, of the yogi medicine. Can I take it? And he said, yes, you can take it. Take it when you're... When your mind's at peace and you're in a quiet place, a cool, quiet place. So I waited until those, those things happened. And I was all alone up in mountains in uh, India, up in Nanital. I took the acid and I fell asleep for eight hours. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> and that was that. So... At some point, I just realized if I kept catapulting myself up into these altered states, if I would stop doing that, then the plateau of my consciousness would gradually rise. But it wasn't going to do that if I kept on shooting myself off into space and that it wasn't really very useful to keep doing that. So I stopped. Somebody in the back? Can't hear you. When I was when 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 I was 
much younger, much younger. I wanted to change the world. Mm. And um, since I have been into yoga, I have been told that peace can only come from within. <coughs> at the same time, I find myself torn. At one hand, I would like to find a peaceful place near a lake, meditate, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Let them take care of all the problems in the world. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I am torn. I like to help the campaign of Bernie Sanders to change the world. Mm -hmm. What shall I do? Next question. How the hell do I know? You know, it's true. Peace can only come from within. But at the same time, we have to recognize that every action we perform creates karma and is also, in fact, the result of previous karmas. There's at no moment while we're alive and maybe after that we're not creating karma. And at the same time, acting out the uh, results of our own previous karmas. So the, the answer to your question is do what you want. And only you know what that is. And your whole path is about finding out what it is you want. And then do it 100%. And then if you find out that's not what you want, do something else. It's all fluid and liquid. There's no right and wrong. There's no one answer for everything. Things are always changing. You might find out that Bernie Sanders has uh, uh, is mean to his dog or something. Who knows? Or pisses all over the floor and can't even get it in the urinal. <laughs> and when you see that, you say, I can't vote for this guy. <laughs> I mean, you never know until you do. So you figure out what you want to do and then go for it. Don't listen to anybody else. Nobody can tell you. Only you know. And if you don't know, figure it out. There's no other path. Your life is your path. There's not like a spiritual life and regular life. What is that? There are two of me here. There are two of you there. It's just you. So live. Do what you want. And if you want to listen to somebody telling you what you want, well, that's your choice, too. But that means you're agreeing with that person. So you follow that. But don't listen to people. Nobody knows better than you what you should be doing. That's the way I feel. And the people that I've met in my life who knew better than me what I should be doing, they wouldn't fucking tell me. I had to go find out myself what to do. Because they knew if they told me what to do, I'd be doing it because they told me. And that's very different uh, than, than having to keep your nose this far above water so you can keep breathing. You're not doing it because somebody told you. You're doing it because you have to. And there's a whole different quality to it if you're doing it because you know this is what you have to do. So that's why I chant, because I have to. I don't sing. The water gets up higher. and Okay, I'm just trying to keep my nose above water here. So you have to find out what works for you. Nobody knows the answer for you. Even this may not make any sense, which is okay. We're left with ourselves as we are. And inside of that, we have to find some clarity. We'll never really understand what's going on because we can't. So we do the best we can. That's a big thing. That's a question I think we could all ask ourselves. Are we doing the best we can? You don't want to not be doing the best you can. You really... You don't want to kind of sleep through life because you only get one life at a time. 
So ask yourself, am I doing the best I can? And if the answer is no, figure out what the best you can do is. In my case, it may not be very good, but it's the best I can do. And that much I can say once in a while. That's a good thing to aspire to, to do the best you can every day. Because mostly we sleep through our days, you know, dreamland. Hardly ever here. Yeah, I'll go here, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll go there, I'll do that. Oh yeah, what's on? Maybe there's a movie I can go to. And then it's you know, three weeks later. So, and on the other hand, we are doing the best we can, just right now, just as it is as it is. This is the best we can do at this moment. Okay, now, what do we do now? This is what we have to find out. And this is why we do practice. We don't do practice for the sake of doing practice. We don't. We don't do yoga for the sake of being a yogi. Why would you want to be, have another identity to get rid of? We do practice for the sake of our hearts, our souls, of finding the truth about life, finding that love. Anybody? Microphone? Where's the mic? Uh, okay, you can go ahead. Go ahead. And then Question. we'll come up. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hi. Just like to continue. It's really a comment. Um, just really kind of brought it up in the last few things you were saying. But I feel qualified to ask you because I grew up in New York and Long Island. You're qualified. But you know, North Shore, South Shore. South Shore. You're not qualified. Next. My other qualification is I'm a lawyer. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> what are three lawyers up to their necks in quicksand? A good beginning. Well, that's why I'm here. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I just like to acknowledge, I've, I've, I haven't been here for about 23 years, but uh, 30 years ago, I was here a couple of times. But the people that I've met here, it's almost like you're preaching to the choir. I hope so. Um, but I'd like to acknowledge the fact that folks are on a path that brings them here, or anyone similarly situated, in the chaotic world that we live. That takes a lot of courage, showing up to your, whether you're a librarian, a doctor, any job, a teacher, and still being on a path whether you're successful or not, but just being on the path is something I think that um, one should, we should all acknowledge that, as I say, in the midst of the chaos of, of the world, folks still choose to find time in the courage of their life with kids, jobs, the regular things. That's all. Um, and I think oftentimes people don't acknowledge that they are making great progress, even if they don't have a daily practice, just to keep the spirit in their heart along with their nine to five and the struggle of their life. And what I think is the great courage of that. That's what I just wanted to say. Thank you. Not guilty. I hope you're a defense lawyer. Yeah, it's all true. What he said is very true. Um, when I say practice, I don't necessarily mean formal sitting down and closing your eyes and screeching yourself up like this. When I, it, it's a much more general way I, I use it. Just being here, being present, recognizing what has to be done and, and working on it. And... Formal practices are helpful, but they're not 
that's just one part of practice. Life is practice. And trying to live a good life and get the strength to live a good life is a very big, uh, big accomplishment and, and, and big aspiration. So there was somebody over here. Okay, okay you and then, then her, okay? Hello. Hi. 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 Um, what would you say to your 16-year-old self if you could tell them one thing? Mm-hmm. What would I say in my 16? 16? Not 15? Not 17? The vicinity. Oh, the different things then. Okay. I would say, relax. It ain't that bad. Take it easy. Take it easy. Don't be so hard on yourself. I would say that to the, me now, too. <laughs> okay, up here. There's somebody up here. That's a, you know, one, one very good technique for uh, when we're really going through difficult stuff is to actually have a conversation with yourself like you would talk to somebody, uh, a very good friend who's going through hard stuff, or to yourself as a younger person. And you can kind of talk yourself down from some serious uh, anxiety that way. I do that. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question, and I think my friend here has one too. But um... What do you say? I'm not your friend? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted me to ask his question, but I still want to ask my question. You can ask two then. Okay, good. good. I like his question too. Um, I'm just wondering, so you've had a, a, a long life with lots of adventure, and, and at this point in your life, and, and and I just feel like maybe some of us can relate. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's like so close. I want to hurt you. So um, when people look to you, I, I think sometimes, like what you're doing now, you're answering questions, and people almost look to you like as a guru to give them answers. <laughs> and so all of us in our lives maybe have, a, you know, I, I know I have situations where I feel people are looking to me for an answer, and mm-hmm. I want to do the right thing. I want to say, I want to act in integrity, and I want to, you know, I feel this huge responsibility, but that doesn't usually work when I feel really responsible, and mm-hmm. I just wondered if you had any insight on when people are looking to you for I take no responsibility for anything I say. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. I'm still alive, which is a miracle, and um I just try to share my experiences. I don't, I'm really not pretending to know very much because I don't. But what I, I just share the experiences I've had and the insights I've had. And if they're useful to somebody, that's good. If they're not, no problema. You know, uh, really, uh, nobody knows more than me how much I don't know. Believe me. And I, uh, I hope you don't think I'm putting myself up here as the final answer on things because that would be very delusional on all of our parts. Your honesty, actually, it's, very, it's so uh, incredible to just yeah. see how you're present and completely honest. Well, appar- apparently so, anyway. <laughs> People say, oh, you're so humble. And I say, you don't understand. I know me. And I'm not humble. I'm just dealing with reality here. So, at least as I see it. Now, what was that other guy's question? <laughs> uh, he's grabbing the mic. Okay. She asked me a question. She, she, said, she said to me, what is enlightenment? Ah. Last night, and she said this morning, you never answered me. Achha. So, what so is it? I said, at, it changes every second, but I said, totally surrendering and being in your heart. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. So I, I'll take two of those, please, to go. <laughs> so, when my friend said... She was going to ask a question. I said, ask, ask, ask what enlightenment is. Ask enlightenment, yeah. Well, I think you got it, got it pretty good. Well, I, I, I don't worry much about enlightenment, you know, because uh, I can't even spell the word. 
I just try to get through the day as best I can, be, be the best person I can, not be too hard on myself, do the practices I have to do and want to do, and just try to, you know, not give myself too hard a time. I'll settle for that for this, this point. Anybody? Oh, yeah, all the way back there. Wait, oh, there's somebody here? Okay, where? Right here. Hi. Okay. It's on. Okay. Um, I have a friend at home who just came out of treatment for um, addiction. And before he went back into treatment, he was on a spiritual path. Oh, and now he's not? Well, he's feeling really disillusioned that it wasn't somehow enough to to keep him... um, to keep him clean. And when he went to treatment... He, his addiction also wasn't enough, otherwise he'd still be doing it. It's just not, nothing's enough. Drugs, sex, rock and roll, and yoga. None of them are enough. The only thing that's enough is who we are inside of our own hearts. So you say he was on the spiritual path, but he's just living human being like the rest of us. You're not either on the path or off the path, you're breathing. If you're breathing, you're qualified. That's the qualification. He's living. Where it became um, a struggle for him is when he was in treatment, mm-hmm. and and the way that they provide treatment, mm-hmm. um, there's a different framework that they work within, and, and mm-hmm. a spiritual path than the way he was walking it mm-hmm. is not a part of it. And they were almost suggesting that he let go of those practices, that they mm-hmm. were somehow hindering his actual progress, and so... Well, if he got strung out while he was doing meditation, then maybe you know, he should try something else. Maybe he wasn't really dealing with his issues. People can do practice for all kinds of reasons. You can sit cross-legged and look at your nose, and then uh, while the house is burning down, you know, but it'd probably be a better idea to get your ass up and put the fire out. So he was just letting the house burn down. That's not spiritual. Right? I think it's good. It's good that he's clean. I hope he stays clean. If he doesn't, he'll have to go through the whole thing again. That's the way it goes. Until he starts to understand what it is in him that that he's trying to uh, trying to numb, you know, the pain that he's trying to get away from. You know, Nothing is going to be enough. Not this job, not this retreat, not the Bahamas, not the freezing cold air here. (laughs) Not going home to the TV and your own kitchen and your own food and your own husband and your own kids and your own car. Nothing is going to be enough, ever. On any way, shape, or form, nothing outside of you is ever going to be enough because it's already enough inside. And the problem is we're all looking outside. And people who get a, have addiction issues, and I'm one of them, uh, we just, at some point we just say, fuck it, I can't deal with it anymore, I'm gonna do this, I can't take it anymore. It's just too low a tolerance for, for, uh, for the fact that nothing's gonna be enough. But it's not that nothing will ever be enough, because it's already enough. We're just not in touch with that. And we're looking in the wrong place. That's all. It, once again, if you try to get water by squeezing a stone, you're not going to get the water. And then you're going to get upset and hurt and frustrated, and you're going to go do something to numb that. Once you recognize that that's a stone, wait, water's over here. I can get just, all I have to do is put my hands out then there's no frustration because you're dealing with reality. But we're not, none of us, you know, are really dealing with reality because if we were, we'd feel different. We're still avoiding recognizing that happiness does not come from stuff. We, we, We hope it does. We still have hope 
that happiness will come from just the right kind of stuff at the right time by the right person with the right lubrication. Ain't going to work. It might work for 10 minutes, but then you're back. And so when we chant, what we do is we take a whole lifetime of stuff and we put it in one 20-minute chant and then you're singing and you're not paying attention and you recognize that and you come back. That just took you a minute and a half. But in your daily life, that might take three days to recognize that you're not here at all. If you even notice. Most people never notice. They get born, they grow up, they drink beer and they die. And they never notice for 10 seconds that they were ever here in the first place. That's life for most people. So, we want to notice. We want to look at this clearly. We want to look at it and we want to deal with it so we don't get hurt more and more and more again and again. You know, the, the great saints, they've done it all. Yes, they might have been born this life and looked like they never did anything negative. But in order to get to that place, they've gone through everything. Everything. They've been good people, bad people, and everything in between, all through it all. And they've, now they finally, they've recognized that all that, have, you have to look inside. And so they've finished looking outside. That's all. It's not a, a mental concept. It's not a manipulation. It's not, it's just they recognize the truth of that. We must look inside. We must find the peace inside if we're going to find it outside. That doesn't mean you can't do things to help other people at the same time. But if you're really going to find peace, you have to be the peace, which is who you are. So, anyway, I wish your friend luck, all the luck in the world. He'll need it. Yeah, just over there. You're welcome. So I've been letting go a lot of things in my life, a, a long career and uh, relationship, and I'm finding uh, frequently it uh, doesn't feel so good. I mean, just what you're describing yeah. is uh, scary. It is scary. Um, but when you say you've been letting go, uh, what you're really saying is that you're dealing with the aftermath of things leaving you which is a different story. You haven't let go. You're in the process of releasing some of the pain from having lost things that you were involved with. It's a little different angle on it. When you've let go, you've let go. You've no longer identified with that. You recognize that it, it wasn't useful. It's not part of your life anymore. It's gone. You're, you've let go of it. You're no longer that person who needs that and is not getting it. So right now you're experiencing loss, which is painful. Um, we all go through that. There's nobody out there who hasn't lost something. Welcome to the club. There's pain in the loss. Pain? Pain in the loss, but eventually yeah. when the letting go process is over, yeah. that, that subsides and changes. Yes, and depending on our karmic situation and our, uh, our aspiration for ourself, we will either go out and recreate the same situation again, or we won't, or something in between. So we have to, we want to let these experiences soften our hearts and not push us into reacting 
and recreating more of the same, which most of us just do that. So the idea is to try to go through it with as much grace as we can kind of gather up so that we can learn from it, you know? And more than learn from it, be changed by it, be, be transformed by it, you know? And recognize all the aspects of it, why we did it, what we were looking for, what we didn't get, why. And to see what we still want that, and we would hope that we could get more of that. So maybe the next time we go in it with our eyes a little bit more wide open, and uh, there'll be less attachment there and more letting go, even though it might look the same on the outside. So there'd be less suffering while you're in it and if it ends or changes, because everything changes, you know, always changing. So, which is, when you recognize that, it, it, You see that situations are living situations. It's like they're not mechanical, especially between people. There's always changes. There's, there's always new things happening and old things going away. It's a, it's a very, everything's very much in flux. When we try to hold on to things a certain way, it's very difficult. And so the strength we get from doing practices is that we get the strength to let go again and again. Not of our, of our hearts, not of our love, but we get let go of those. Of the, we get to remember to take our hand out of the fire, you know, instead of trying to grab that fire over and over. We remember, and we can... But that strength comes from remembering which comes from practice. Yeah. Hi. Um, can you talk about forgiveness and um, maybe in, in relation to ownership's not the right word, but um, taking responsibility for your own life and that kind of how that plays into forgiveness? No. <laughs> when I was in third grade, this guy hit me. I've never forgiven him. I can still remember how hurt I was that this guy who I thought was my friend hit me. I, I'm not good at forgiving. I, I carry things around a lot. But it's a good thing to be able to forgive. I don't know that you ever forget but you begin to see that people are acting out of their own suffering. They're acting out of their own pain. And even if you were hurt, when you really look at it, you can kind of see that even if they thought you were the target, you're not really the target. They were just blurting out their pain in all directions, and you happened to be there. Um, So it's easier to kind of uh, allow that person to live, you know? Because you see, it, it's really coming out of their own unhappiness, and then you start to feel for them as a person, you know? They, they have all this pain, and they can't help themselves. And they might be son of a bitch. They couldn't help themselves. He had a mother and father, too, who screwed him up. And they had, you know, they, he had, just like us, everybody has their reasons for hurting themselves and others, you know. If we really had choice, if we really could make a choice and weren't imprisoned by our own emotional reactivity, we probably wouldn't hurt people. But most of the time, we don't have a choice. We are impelled by our own suffering to spread it around. So the more you recognize 
and you really see other people. You see that, you know. You know, I used to hate George W. Really, I mean, he was just, I didn't like him, you know. And then I was sent channel surfing one day, and there was this news program, and he was going down to Florida to meet with the first group of widows from the Iraq War. There were like 20 women waiting for him in this room. And there's, they show George W. walking down the hall, going to meet these women, you know. And he walks into that room, and he burst out crying like a baby. Everybody was crying. You know, how can you hate somebody like that's going to cry like that? So I had to give it up. But even though I gave it up, he's still going to have to live through all the karmas that he's created. And that's even more of a cause of compassion for somebody. The suffering he's going to have to go through because of the suffering he's caused. And he couldn't help himself either, which is even more cause for compassion and kindness. It's horrible. You want to be mad at somebody, but you can't. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right, here comes the boss. We have to stop. Right? We have a few minutes? Okay. Anybody have something? On your first night, uh, Friday night, when you started um, our gathering together, you mentioned the, the inner happiness that, that is there that we have to, uh, or that is there for us to connect with. And you said that there were three terms, tat, sat. Sat, chit, ananda. Okay. Yeah, sat, sat, truth. Chit is consciousness. Ananda is bliss, happiness. That's words for that, you know, ways to describe that. There's no way to really describe that because no concept can ever hold that because it's beyond all that. But if you had to say something, you'd probably want to say it feels pretty good. And that's how you'd say it. Where are you? Oh, hi. 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 Um, do you have um, any advice for like young couples um, who are on like you know trying to find like um, a spiritual path, but maybe we're not like quite in the same step all the time, um, or and we're pretty new, and he's not here type of thing. So <laughs> just like you have any relationship advice for that? Because sometimes. I feel like... Next time, knock them out, throw them in a, in a suitcase, and bring them with you. <laughs> Don't give them any choice. Uh, as far as relationships go, you got to talk. you got to talk. you got to be honest. you got to talk. you got to talk. you got to talk more. And you can't let people get away with not talking. Because then you're not being true to yourself either. Relationships are really hard work. And if you're not talking to that person... Uh, if you're hiding, it's just not going to work. It's just going to build up, and the poles will get more isolated and further and further away, and then, then you'll be turning and going this way. So talking is a really good thing. And if you don't know how to talk, go to talk to somebody who knows how to talk. When I was in, once in a relationship, <laughs> we went to this counselor, and um, we're sitting there, and I said something, and she blew up. And the counselor said, now, KD, would you repeat that again? And I repeated it exactly the same way, and she blew up. And the counselor said, would you repeat it again? And I repeated it again exactly the same way. And the third time, she finally heard what I said. 
She literally did not hear what I said the first two times. She heard her version of what I said, which she didn't like. But what I said was nothing like her version. And it took three times until there was actual communication. So it's hard. And I think everybody needs help with that. Because uh, we all have so much invested in our relationships. We want so much to come from them uh, that we're willing to kind of uh, cut corners on the honesty part because it might push that person away. But that's already pushing the person away. So it doesn't work. So talk. Find a cheap counselor, but a good one. <laughs> I went to one counselor with another, in another relationship, and we were about 20 minutes into it, and the counselor looked at me and he said, you know, she knows exactly what's going on here. And that was the end of that relationship. So it's tricky stuff. Yeah. Do we have to end on that note? <laughs> What about all the bliss? <laughs> what about all the... Oh God, all right. That's it. Get out of here. Oh, another question? We got another two minutes. Ah, screw you. <laughs> I don't want to sing. We'll sing tonight. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I think this is valuable. If you don't, too bad. <laughs> this is the kind of work that will allow you to really sing when you do sing. Because if you don't, if you don't have good ground to sit on, then anything you build will fall over. And the kind of work that we're doing here today, this kind of work, gives us a good place to sit so that whatever we build doesn't fall over and crash again and again and again. We're cleaning our motivation, we're cleaning our hearts, we're clarifying ourselves to ourselves, and it's very important. At least I think so. So, okay, 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 that's enough of that. So is that it or do we have another question? Right there, okay. There, somebody have a mic? Okay, go ahead. You, and then you, and then that's it. Okay. Oh, you don't have the mic. Well, then you can't thank me. Thank you for oh, sharing okay. your practice. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, my question is, um, regarding chanting as a practice, how much of that came from the doing of it, and how much do you attribute, if any, to a transmission from your guru? There's ultimate reality, and there's relative reality. I live over here in relative reality, which means that I think I'm doing this. There is ultimate reality, though, which includes relative reality. But since I don't live there, I can't tell you what that's like, except it's all grace. But don't tell anybody I said that. It's all grace in my group, really. You know, I can't, I'm not trying to convince you of that. If it doesn't mean anything to you, that's okay. But from my point of view, it's all his grace. It's all the blessings and the transmission from him that makes all this possible. I'm just that kid whose friend hit him when he was in third grade. I can't get over that. All this is coming from him. So... Last one. Hi. Hi. Um, so I've been taking a lot of notes. Uh -oh. and the one that's jumping off the page at me the most is um, a question was, how do we get found? And your answer was, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. And music has been your salvation. And I'm wondering if you have any. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, well, do you have any guidance on how to help people find what it is that their heart is telling them to do? No. 
you have to live, you know. You have to live. Everybody's life, nobody knows what's coming next. You have to live. You have to get out there and live 100%. I live 100% of my usual 3% every day. And I'm working on 4%. But, nobody, you know, you just have to live. We have a version, an idea of what spiritual life is. It's just life. How do we be happy? How do we find love? How do we find real joy in life? Well, there's a lot of paths out there that talk about that. You have to see which one fits for you and, and what you can do and what, you, what works for you. And, and this is not music, by the way. You know, I mean, I don't call it music because it's chanting. It, it's, it's meditation. There's some music involved, which makes makes it a little easier to digest. But other than that, the music's not that important. I don't consider music necessarily a spiritual path. There are a lot of musicians who drink and smoke and are brutally depressed. So if music was enough by itself, that wouldn't be happening. But when music is used to transmit a spiritual kind of essence, it helps with that because it calms the mind, it gives, gives us something to pay attention to. But the real medicine here is the name, not the music. It's the name and the essence of that which is going to cure the, the disease of unhappiness. The music will make us feel okay for a while, but then it doesn't last. But the name will bring about real changes within us because every repetition is a seed that's planted and the seeds are going to grow sooner or later. They have to. And that was a complete circle. How do you like that? I wish I had planned that. Mm -hmm.